and light of eternity. And I know for many of us, when we think about eternity, the simple definition of eternity means forever, forever, eternity, right? But as it's used in the Bible, it has some really special meanings as it's used in the Bible. In the Bible, it means infinite time and duration without beginning or end. We serve an infinite God, and we talk about the eternity of God many times as we look in the Bible. And most importantly, when we talk about eternity, or we think about eternity, we think about the timeless state into which the soul passes at a person's death. Many of us think about eternity in that way. So eternity is long. We know eternity is long, but we also know time is short. And I'm reminded of this every day when I look at myself and I look at my surroundings around me. I think you would agree the only person that doesn't think time is short is a young person, really, basically. Those of us that are older, we say time is really short and it passes really quickly. I know if you're like me, you look at your children, you look at me, and you say, oh, where's all the time gone? Oh, look how they've grown so quickly. So we know that time is short, and we know when we listen to other people. I love the great quote from the great evangelist, Billy Graham. He was asked if there was any surprises in life as he looked back on his life, and he said this, the greatest surprise in life to me is the brevity of life how short it is, how quickly it passes. And we're reminded of this throughout Scripture when we look about time and how quickly it passes. We read in Psalms 103, verses 15 and 16, As for a man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses four, verse 14, It says, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. And then lastly, in Psalms 90, verse 12, we're reminded to number our days. In Psalms 90, verse 12, it says, so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So we know time is short. We know we need to number our days. So how should we live? How should we live? We need to have the right perspective about this life. We need to constantly remind ourselves that we're only here for a short time. We're in a race, and ultimately we are victors in this race because of our faith in Christ. But we need to remind ourselves we're living for eternity and not just for this time on earth now. I'm going to be going through the Bible in a number of verses. I'm going to be looking through mainly the epistles, the New Testament. Um, a lot of the letters from the Apostle Paul to Timothy. Um, and these letters really remind us of our eternal life in Christ and how to run this race. And I'm going to start with 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. This is the Apostle Paul giving advice to Timothy and how she, he should live this life. He says, But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, Love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, to which you were also called, and then confess the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. The Apostle Paul was encouraging Timothy to fight the good fight. Keep eternal, eternity values in mind as you live this life, and not give up. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. 
knowing that we have eternal life with Christ as we live this life. So as I ask myself the question, how am I living this life in light of eternity? I ask the same question to you. How are you living this life in light of eternity, knowing the promises that God has made to us and how we have eternal life with him? And I'm going to suggest to you this evening, there's four things, four things that I like to just expound upon for a few minutes. And these are four things that as I've read and I've studied that God's really shown me and I want to just share them with you. And I always use these as sort of a checklist for myself. How am I living this life? And I'd like to go, as I said, a few minutes in each of these. Let me give you number one. Number one is we need to be reconciled with God. We need to be reconciled with God. Number two, we need to be growing in our faith. We need to be growing in our faith every day. Number three, we need to be abiding in Christ. Abiding in Christ. And number four, we need to be redeeming the time. Let me go on in a little bit on each of these four things, just for a few minutes. First things first. Number one, reconcile with God. I think it's so important that we do this first and foremost. We need to make sure we're right with God. We need to make sure every minute, every minute of our life that we're right with God. And being right with God, for those of us that have come to know Christ as Lord of Savior, know what that means. We have been separated with God from our, by sin, but we're reconciled to God by what? By trusting in Christ. I know if you're like me and I age myself, here a little bit. I used to watch great westerns or TV movies all the time. Remember the great western? They always say, "Are you ready to meet your maker?" You know, before the shot. And 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 I asked the same question: Are you ready to meet your maker? If you haven't made that decision for Christ, you're not ready to meet your maker yet. Because what does it say? For all of all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. In Romans three twenty three. But what happened? God made a provision for us. In Romans 5, 8, it says, But God demonstrated his love for us, and that when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So Christ was, took our place. He took, bore the sins of all our sins on him, that we might have life. And we need to trust in him as we live our life. You know, the basic gospel is really condensed into one verse. Many of us know it. And we learn it very at a very young age. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So we know this, but until you've received him, you've not been reconciled to God. You're separated by your sin. And in order to be reconciled to God, you need to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because what does it say in John 1, verse 11? But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So this reconciliation that we have with God, it's based on Christ's shed blood on our behalf and our trusting in him as Lord and Savior. So we're saved from the wrath of God by trusting in Christ. And this is how we get eternal life. I like Romans chapter 5, verses 9 through 11. It talks about this reconciliation. It says, Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if we were, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of the Son. 
much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. What is that reconciliation? It's a restoration of the relationship with God. You know, so much we emphasize here, it's not about religion, it's about a relationship. That's that reconciliation, that relationship we now have with God. So we have peace with God, and we're what? New creatures. We are born again, all right? We're new creatures. I like the verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. What does it say? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So we have this new life in Christ. We've been reconciled. Number two, growing in faith. Growing in faith. And I'm going to just pose some questions to you. And it's the same questions I pose to myself. Is there evidence of your growth in Christ? Have you grown stronger in your faith? Is it evident in your attitudes and behavior? I ask myself the same question every day. You know, the Apostle Peter, when he was speaking to Christians that were having a difficult time, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, he said, You, therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow. Can't emphasize enough that we need to be growing every day. We need to be growing in the Lord. I like this word, steadfastness. Steadfastness. What does it mean? It means firmly fixed in place, immovable, firm in our belief, determined. We are adhering to this faith. So it's important, how do we grow? And if you've been going to this church for any short time, you know there's three big things that we need to grow. And now you could probably recite them and better than I could. But they're the three things that are most important to our growth. They're prayer, reading the word, and fellowship. These are the things that we share with new believers. They're so important. You can't overemphasize the importance of prayer, studying the word of God, and fellowship. And we can't expect to grow in this faith without praying and studying God's word on a regular basis. You know, when we water a plant, we don't water it once a year. We don't water it once a month. We water a plant in order for it to be nourished and grow. We water, water it regularly, don't we? And this is what we need to do with prayer and reading the word. Most importantly also, reading the word, studying, and also praying and fellowship, what? It not only helps us to grow, but it also enables us to what? Live the spirit-filled life. We can't expect to live the spirit-filled life unless we're doing those things. I know and as we look about reading the word again, Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, he says, As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Throughout scriptures, we're encouraged on the word, to read the word, to study the word. I like Psalms 1, Psalms 1, so recited so many times. And what does it say? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the city of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in it he meditates day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, in whose due season gives forth fruit, and whose leaf will not wither. And what? And this is the important 
part of that passage. And whatever he does shall prosper. Whatever you do will prosper if you're in the word, if you're seeking after God and reading. I think a good chapter in terms of reading the word and the importance of it is Psalms 119, the largest chapter in the Bible. In Psalms 119, there's verses throughout that chapter. Psalms 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against this, sin against thee. So this keeps us, this word keeps us from sin. Verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all day. It keeps us in perfect peace because we're meditated on it or meditating on it. And lastly, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It gives us guidance. Each day we give guidance. You get guidance through this word. And lastly, in terms of reading the word, I think we need to look at the words of Jesus. In John chapter 8, verse 31, he said, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, if you abide in my word. Prayer, second thing, most important for our growth. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 to 18. Pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So important that we keep in prayer, because we know prayer is what really keeps us at peace and in tune with God. I like Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. It's one of my favorite verses and passages, along with one of my favorite books of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 8. What does it say? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guide your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Such a powerful passage, importance of prayer and the supplication and the thanksgiving, but what will guide our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So we need to make sure when we're praying that it's not just one way, that it's two way. I said in a study before, we don't really want to have a monologue with God, which we're just talking to him, but we want to have a dialogue where we're listening also. We're speaking to God, but we're also listening to what he has to say to us and what he wants us to do. And you say, well, I can't hear God. How will I know, you know, what's God telling me? Get into this, the word. God will speak to you through his word. And that's so important. Lastly, fellowship. Fellowship is so important. It's so important to be around like-minded people. I used to argue with my mother. I'll share a little personal. My mother used to say, you are who you hang out with. And I used to say, what are you talking about? And she says, you are who you hang with, who you're hanging out with. And I used to say, I'm not like them. Pretty much, you hang with them, you're going to be like them. Sooner or later, they'll start to influence you. It's so important. And the basic thing in terms of that fellowship is what you're doing here. Being in a Bible teaching church. It doesn't have to be this one. It can be any church. But make sure it's a Bible teaching church. Because we're encouraged in the word. You know, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, the verse that we often quote, which says, Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. 
As we've learned, and we've been studying the book of Acts on Sundays, Pastor Joe teaching out of the book of Acts, we've learned in the book of Acts that the early church was known for what? It's studying the word, it's fellowship or prayer. Acts 2.42 shares this with us, and we often refer to this verse, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Again, we see that word steadfastly, steadfastly, remember? Firmly fixed in place, you know, immovable, staying together with them. Because we know staying in the word has other benefits. When we look at Corinthians and Paul encouraging the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, which says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So I ask the question again, are you steadfastly rooted in the word and prayer and fellowship? You need to make sure those are an important part of your life in Christ. I know we always mention 2 Timothy 3.16, which says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. But listen to the second part of this, verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. How are we going to do that good work unless we're, what, in the word and we're praying? Moving on in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9, it helps us because it says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace. We're solid, solid in the word. We know the word. We're able to recite the word. We're able to live the word. So I asked the question. I said, number two was growing in faith. So how do we know we're growing? How do we know we're growing? How can we take a good assessment or honest assessment of our lives? Well, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 16, Jesus said, You'll know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? We're not going to get fruit if we're not people that are what? Living, reading, and praying the word on a daily basis because the good fruit will not come unless we're doing that. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So I ask myself, am I growing with these attributes? Do I have these attributes? Do each day, do I get a little stronger? Do I have that gentleness, that self-control? Do I have that kindness? I know some days I fall short. I fall short and I need to grow every day more and more in these attributes. But how do we grow in these attributes? Again, reading the word. But how do we know we're in the will of God? How do we know that, you know, well, this is where I should be or what I'm doing? I always come back to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, which says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. And what? Be not conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind, and you may prove which that is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I always ask myself, am I in the will of God? 
And I look at this first. Am I being transformed or am I conforming to the world? Am I what <clears throat> proving what that good and acceptable perfect will of God is? Because what? It would not be in sin, right? It would not be perfect will of God. And how do we do? Renewing our mind. And the best way to renew our mind is what? The reading the word and prayer. Moving on. Number three, the third thing that I ask myself, am I abiding in Christ? And I ask the same question of you. Are you abiding in Christ and living a spirit-filled life on a daily basis? In Colossians, we read the Apostle Paul said in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So walk in him. So walk in Him. So you're abiding in Him. You're rooted up and built in Him. So you're walking in Him. Because we can also look at the words of Jesus in chapter John chapter 15, verse 4, 4 and 5. What did Jesus say? He said, Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. That's so important. Unless we are abiding in Christ, we can't do nothing. And what? We cannot bear fruit if we're not abiding in Christ. And what is the other benefit of this abiding in Christ? How it helps us is it what? It allows us to walk in the Spirit. It allows us to be filled with the Spirit. Remember Jesus as he's speaking about the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, he said, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Because we've accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, we are able to abide in Christ. We are able to receive this Holy Spirit and be guided by the Holy Spirit. It's so important. I know this is not a study on the Holy Spirit, but we can't overemphasize the importance of the Holy Spirit and how it enables us to live this life. I know as we're reading again in the book of Acts on Sundays and study, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The early church, because of the Holy Spirit, those who were preaching in the early church at the early time of the Christians, what? They were walking in the Spirit. They were filled with the Spirit. And this is what we are exhorted to do. And it's the same thing Paul has exhorting all the different churches at Galatia, Corinth, and all the different churches. When he was speaking to the church of Galatia, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, he said, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Again, in verses 24 and 25 of that same chapter, he says, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let's also walk in the Spirit. So we're abiding in Christ. We're walking in the Spirit on a daily basis. And living in the Spirit just really is important because it also keeps us from sin. And it's really important to keep this in mind. If we're living in the Spirit, we're no longer living a lifestyle of sin. And let me emphasize that. We sin every day. We fall short. We ask God for forgiveness every day. 
But we don't practice sin. We don't live in the lifestyle of sin. Not if we're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. If we find ourselves falling into sinful habits or grieving over, or not grieving over sin, we're really not abiding in Christ. Because what? In 1 John chapter 3, verse 6, he says, Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. And I think this is important when we understand you cannot continue to be in adultery and say that I'm a Christian because you're what? You're continually living a lifestyle of sin. That's what it's talking about as an example. You can't continue to live in sin and say, yes, I'm a believer because the Holy Spirit is not working in you. It's not convicting you of that sin. As you really need to, what? As it says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I like one again. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Galatians 2.20, which says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by what? Faith in the Son of God. He gave himself up for me and loves me. We can simplify this whole life in Christ. I know many of us refer to this, and I was thinking about it the other day. We look at the words of Jesus, and what did he say when the Pharisees asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He said two things. Remember we're in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39? Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Keep that focus. Keep that focus. If you love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, and all your mind, and if you love your neighbor as yourself, those are the two most important things. I was reminded of this again recently as we put those yard signs up. If you remember, each of us maybe grab one, we put it in our front yard, and we said, praying for our neighbors, praying for our neighbors. I think it's a great idea. I think it's great. We reach out to our community or a witness to our community. And we get to share the life, the love of Christ. But for me, it also caused me to reflect on what kind of witness I am to my neighbors. And I have to tell you, at times, your neighbors can be difficult. And I say that from my perspective. <laughs> the neighbor might say different. But I think it's really important that our testimony be really exemplifying Christ. I like this little passage that C.S. Lewis, the great Christian author, C.S. Lewis said, there are no ordinary people. You've never talked with a mere mortal. And what did he mean by that? He said, put it another way, every human contact has eternal consequences. Every day we have opportunities to make a difference in the lives of people around us through the quiet witness of a faithful and gentle life or through encouraging words to a worried soul. Never underestimate the effect a Christ-like life can have on others. I think that's so important. The sign, even though it's in front of my house, will not have an impact unless, what, I'm living the life and my life is a testimony and I'm, what, willing to share it. I'm willing to share it. Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15, it says, For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. We are the fragrance of Christ for those who are being saved and, and those who are perishing. So we're not only a testimony to non-believers, but we're a testimony to each other. We need to remember we're a testimony to each other. Every day, every time I'm here, I'm reminded I need to be a testimony to you and how I treat you 
and how I feel about you. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 to 10, it says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are a household of faith. I need to treat you the same way I treat anyone else. I need to love you, encourage you, and, and, and be supportive of you. Okay, number four, the last, redeeming the time. So the question I pose, are you storing up treasures here on earth rather than investing your time and energy on things eternal? I asked the same question, and it was really this redeeming the time is based on a verse in Ephesians, verses in Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, which says, See that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. It's so important that we realize time is such an important commodity, and how we use it is really important. Look at what Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, attitude toward material things, because many people, that's how they spend their time in pursuit of material things in the pursuit of riches. He said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. really speaks to the attitude of our hearts. Seeking to get rich versus seeking to live for God and serve him with our resources. We have to ask the question, what are we pursuing this evening? And I like, the, again, the advice Paul giving to young Timothy in Timothy, 1 Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith and their greediness and persons pierced themselves through many sorrows. The apostle of Paul Constantly was emphasizing this. When he was speaking at the church, Philippi, he shared his focus, and I hope it's the focus of ours too. Philippians 3, verses 7 and 8. But what things were gained to me, these have counted the loss for Christ. Yet indeed I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may angry in Christ. So we know ultimately... Our goal is to what? Grow in Christ. And as we grow in Christ, we also need to be mindful of the blessings we receive. And we need to use them for his kingdom and his glory. And we need to be reminded that we're accountable for our lives and the resources God has given us. Because when you look in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. We have to give account of this life in Christ that we've lived. So we have to be good stewards of the research God has given us. And we have so many examples that we can do, or we can look at, you know, Jesus when he's talking and the parable, the parable of the talents and Jesus shared, shared the story of the three servants, how each were given a certain amount of talents and how they used them, how one buried them and didn't use them for his glory. And I'm just going to go really quickly and just to verse 23 when he said, he said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Those that used the talents well, that made more talents, that <clears throat> took all the resources that God had given them and he used them to make more and for the kingdom. Those are the ones 
that he was giving well done and good faithful servant. I think we all want to hear that. So, in conclusion, in bringing this summary to this, again, I ask the question, are we living in light of eternity? Are we running the race of faith? Again, I check myself. Number one, have I been reconciled with God? Number two, am I growing in the faith? Number three, am I abiding in Christ and walking in the Spirit? Number four, am I redeeming the time? I know it's so important to keep this in mind, but knowing that eternity for some of us may be some time away, what is the task at hand? I like what the Pastor Greg Laurie in one of his devotions said. He said, we should make sure to live with eternity in mind, but not take for granted the gifts God has given us now. Although we have many exciting adventures to look forward to in heaven, we have to remember that we're in the midst of a race right now and that we have yet to finish. We're in this race. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we're in this race. We've got to continue in this race. And I think we have to have the attitude like the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. He said, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Again, going back to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on to eternal life to which you were also called and confess the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I'll be honest with you as I look at these passages and I looked at this study, I'm reminded, I know it's sometimes difficult to think of eternity in the light of the problems and issues that we deal with on a basis, on a daily basis. We might, you might be going through something today. You might be dealing with sickness. You might be dealing with hurt. You might be dealing with a loss of job. And we are consumed. We are sometimes consumed by that. But we have to remember, and it's important to note, we're only on this earth for a short time. An eternity wait, awaits us. And I think the Apostle Paul had good words as he encouraged the churches. And for example, as he's encouraging the believers at the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16, 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, what is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Eternal, Keeping eternity in mind. Even though we know the, inward, the outward man is perishing, we know the inward man is being renewed day by day as we read the word, as we study, as we pray. He says, do not lose heart. Do not get discouraged. Our light affliction is temporary, but it's helping us build our character and our glory and eternity. And remember, things that are seen are temporary. Things are not seen are eternal. We f- focus on the eternal. So how do we live in light of eternity and all the problems and things that we deal with? I like Romans 8.18. It's such a great verse. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The sufferings of this 
present time not worthy that can be compared to the glory which we revealed in us. In closing, I'd like to just share a little personal, really quick minute story. Fifty years ago, fifty years ago, I was fourteen years old. I'll give you my age away. And I was helping my father, who did gardening on the side, go to do on Saturdays gardening jobs. And I would help him. And one of the jobs we did was for an older gentleman and he cleaned his yard, you know, took care of his yard. And one day this older gentleman asked me, can you help me with something? And I said, sure, I'll help you. And he was working on a door frame and a door you know, jam and he couldn't see. He was almost 90 years old. He goes, I can't see. Can you, can you hold the screwdriver? Can you pull the thing? And I started to help him. And he, and he asked me, he started to talk to me and asked me some questions. And he said, how old are you? And I said, 14. I was a freshman in high school. And he said, wow, 14. He goes, that's such a long time ago. He goes, my life, he goes, I look back on my life and it just seems it has gone so quickly. It has gone so quickly. He goes, I would encourage you, he said, live a life well lived. He goes, as I look back on my life, I think of things I could have done differently, things I would have done differently. But I encourage you to live your life with well-meaning, you know, with well, you know, thought. And I was 14, you know, 14, I was like, all right, whatever, you know. (laughs) Whatever you say, I don't think. But I remember very clearly and very vividly his eyes as he looked at me with the age and like the wisdom when he said, live a life well-lived, live a life well-lived. And I think about that now 50 years later. I think about that man. I think about that day. And the, and the advice they was giving me. And I like to think that I've lived that life well lived. Two years later, after when I turned 16, was the year that Pastor Raul Reese came to Ball Park High School and started a Bible study, started sharing where I got involved. Fast forward, here I am, here I am. You never know how you live your life. You never know what God has in store for you. You never know where you're going to end up. But I think of that man all the time. I think of that man as 50 years has, what, rushed by me. I think we all would like to say, like in the words of Paul in Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, if I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his grave. I pray that we have that same mindset, that we are able to say those same words as we come to the end of our journey in this race of life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we just come to you this evening again, Lord. Again, thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for just speaking to us through the power of your Holy Spirit, Father. I just lift up this time to you, Lord, and I lift up my brothers and sisters, Father, and I just pray, Lord, if there's anyone out here, Lord, that's just struggling in their life, Lord, that you just restore, renew them, Lord, a new spirit, Lord, a rekindled life, Lord, that just living for you as they seek after you, Lord. We know that life can be difficult, Father, but when we keep eternity in mind, Lord, we know that ultimately we will be with you in paradise, Lord. We look forward to that day, Lord. 
We ask, Lord, again, that you just do a work in our lives, Father. And again, for those that are struggling or hurting, Lord, pray that you just touch their lives right now, Lord. May that you would just give them that peace that passes all understanding, Lord. And that you just heal them, Lord, of whatever sin or whatever they may be dealing with, Lord. And if there's anyone that's out here, Lord, we pray that if they had not made that decision for you, Lord, that they make that decision, that they come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, Father, and that they say that prayer, please forgive me, Lord, for all my sins. I want to accept you as Lord and Savior. Wash me in you, Lord. Make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Help me, guide me, strengthen me the rest of my days, my life. I want to live for you. We say this prayer, Lord, and we pray that we just... That will be on our minds and on our hearts every day of our lives. We give you all the glory and praise and honor this evening. In Jesus' name, we all say, Amen.